Wonderful. I think we are. We are live. Metaphysically and physically live. Yeah. Speaking of which, what's that title about? I'm not even aware of the topic that you planned for this. No, I just I was like, what what should I call this one? And I was like, let's let's call it the unbearable lightness of being. Do you think it's more light than heavy or dark? What kind of light are you using here? Well, it's it's the title of a of some art house film that I I liked and I never bothered to go see. Oh, oh, so you didn't actually even see the movie? You just <laughs> you literally just liked the no. title. Yeah, I like the title. It's gonna be something like some depressed, semi-alcoholic okay. European writer. Yeah, talking about how just being alive is so beautiful. It's intensely painful. Yeah, just like drawn out scenes with subtitles in yellow yes i don't know how people get away with this shit you know like when you watch <laughs> these uh, french art house things and it's just people in rooms smoking they're wrapped they're half naked they're wrapped in the bed sheets that they've been fornicating furiously <laughs> they're covered in each other's fluids and they're like well what is life let me tell you a story my mother when she would cook the sausages she ignored me i never forgot the way it made me feel and that scene goes on for like 17 minutes yeah, there's no difference in tonality or movement or just the same sepia yellow tint yeah. you know and, and the point the point of it is like how we're just trapped in love and they never really escape love and they just that's like <laughs> fucking hell this film has been made 67 times now you pretentious fox but it's guaranteed uh, a little clap clap from the from the critics crowd exactly you it's know, like if we if we wanted to make a movie now the best yeah. thing we could do is some horrendous horror movie because you'd be guaranteed return on investment right you know what's interesting is like the same people that love that pretentious stuff they're operating in the same mode as somebody that's doing cheap youtube content that they know will get validation yes it's the same yeah. pattern it's just yeah. different medium yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I mean, and it makes sense, right? That's that's capitalism. You want your return on investment, which is why you keep doubling down on Marvel's Avenger movies and you know reboots. Why why we got so many reboots? It's, it's it's the guaranteed return on investment. There is a, a viral young persons by young person, I mean you YouTube channel that I follow called Forty Two, Forty Two, and he just did a video the other day about the fact that clickbait titles are biking now on youtube like what do you mean like has uh, it always? no um there's always been clickbait but now everybody's doing clickbait okay yeah 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 the, the the battle for people's attention is reaching like a, a a fever pitch just because there's there's more houses on the land there's more real estate taken up now so the battle for people's attentions become and you've got like old hands like like me whinging about the fact that the, the viewership is going down because, you know, for just four years ago, five years ago, you just have such an easy ride um, and so little competition. And now it's much more intense. So clickbait is now, is now the new thing. Yeah. I heard there was a bunch of like backlash against, there was like, even like Facebook was working on uh, improving the algorithm. So clickbait titles wouldn't get so much attention. I don't know about YouTube so much. Yeah. There was like, there was a movement for like, I mean, in internet time, I guess like three months, which seems like two years, but. Yeah, no, there's, it's, it, I think, I, I think there's, there's a, there, there is a movement um, generally towards, towards that. And I think, 
you know, because we've discussed this at length, you know, our, our primary uh, basis of, of, of when we first started communicating was as YouTubers. Um, yeah. Obviously, we started hanging out because we like each other and sex was great. Of course. <laughs> we all know that. I just, I just want to put that out there. I want to keep saying stuff on Tentacle Quest on that drives people <laughs> fucking crazy because I know I can do it here. And if they ever question me, I'll be like, that's not Spartan Life Coach, motherfuckers. I don't have to be a good boy on Tentacle Quest. I actually had a thought when I was making my um, espresso coffee for my Nespresso machine by just putting a pod in and clicking a button. God damn, I love the age we live in. It's but, good stuff. It's really good coffee as well. Delicious. And it's perfect yeah. every fucking time. We sound like an advert right now. I know I was going to say, I'm totally advertising this shit. Ruin <laughs> it. You have to say something stupid now to ruin it. And then I pissed in my pod and I drank that and it was even more delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking like, okay, so say, say if both of us just we just get the perfect deal right place at the right time. And then we're fucking in headlines or one of us hosts the talk show or one of us is becomes a famous porn star, right? They're going to go back in these technical croissants. They try to find something to use yeah. against us. Yeah. 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 What have we said, Pierre? What have we said? What could we say? Um, I've, you've pretty much said all of it. You said something. Yeah. You say something every stream, I think. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I want to. I, I want to. I, I came up with a really good video the other day, and I can't remember it. But I was like, "Stop trolling." There is this tendency inside of me. It's like a little. It's a little bit of emotional immaturity where I was like, I had this perfect video that you. The, the argument of which you couldn't argue against unless you just strawmanned me, and it was going to really piss off. Um, both straight, both people who identified as straight and people who identified as gay, and I was like, "That's perfect. It's just beautiful. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like psyops. It's like a psyop weapon." Hmm? I, that's basically what I'm doing now with my content. I love right. that shit, and it's yeah. but the thing is, YouTube is the perfect platform to make content like that. Yes, yeah, but but it's not. That's where my sort of thing as a YouTuber is like, it's not really my job. And as fun as that would be, that's like a personal indulgence because I'm like, I want to shove people's own stupidity and lack of logic back in their faces and go, you're not, you use words to create an argument. And if we actually look at your argument, it defeats itself. Yes, it totally right. defeats itself. So I wanted to do the whole, you know, a, a, like a funny deconstruction of sexuality where by definition, if you say that you're straight, if you say that you're straight and you're heterosexual, then I've, I had this really good, I've lost it now, but it basically implied that you were fundamentally, that you were gay. And if you said that you were gay, that, that meant that you were actually straight. <laughs> Please remember this, because I'm really curious to see how this thing. But if I, if I, if I, if it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's like, po it was postmodernism, but with a standard, like social deconstructionism, but with stand up comedy. So it was going to be funny as well. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, you can't because of the way the channel has gone. Like I have people following yeah, me. That's true. That's it's true. just you can't you can't do that. It's by not responsible. Way, by the way, I totally mentioned your Coney video on my last live stream. <laughs> I don't mind that you did that, except I'm quite vain now, where I wasn't back in 2012, and I'm a fat mess there. Oh fuck! Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mind, Pierre. People can see me like fat and depressed, so they know that you know but I'm not you playing. Fat, I really did go into recovery. Fat, depressed, but right. 
Yes. And that was what I brought up because I brought up the whole idea of the amount of uh, inauthenticity in the mainstream culture, but also in videos. And I was trying to think of like a particular event that was monumental in terms of being exposed, that it was a total farce. Yeah. And it was like the perfect situation where the dude ended up running, stripping naked, yeah. screaming at strangers in the corner of San Diego somewhere. <laughs> because of people like me. I mean, because of people like me and there was a there was a Ugandan journalist that I teamed up with and we wrote blog posts lampooning him. And it wasn't just us, but we were we were like spearheading this backlash, just saying how, how utterly ludicrous it was, what they were saying, what total shills they were for the CIA to just go in to Uganda and ultimately Nigeria. As it turned out, they didn't need that. All that they did was they just sent their soldiers there and everybody went, we're watching fucking Love Island and The Bachelor and we don't care that there's 2,000 American soldiers in another person's sovereign nation stealing their shit. It was great because me and all of my high school friends, we did our part by buying a $30 package and putting stickers on light posts in order to overthrow an African dictator. That's what we do, homie. It doesn't matter that the African dictator had been missing for five years. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Stop, Cody. He stopped. All the Ugandans were like, are you fucking crazy? We wanted help with him five years ago. They were By that point, they were dying. There was this mysterious disease going around. I can't even remember what it was, but it had... People would just start shaking uncontrollably, children particularly, and then they die. And they were going, instead of Coney, who's gone, can you help us with this thing that's actually murdering us at huge, terrifying rates? You know what the um, unfortunate thing is, other than the fact that ch- children's soldiers were like killing each other and diseases were taking over the country? Mm-hmm. What's un- also unfortunate on our end is that such great videography and filmmaking was used for this video. If you yeah. look at the video, it's so excellently done in the same way. Have, did you, do you remember the fire festival in the Bahamas where, yes. um, yeah, it was like the best marketing scheme I had ever seen, I think ever, where yeah. they got a bunch of influencers to post a, a blank orange Instagram picture, brought built up a bunch of hype to this exclusive concert in the Bahamas and right. they had nothing fucking organized. I love that. Or like dehydrated. I love that. They became animals, man. Zombie apocalypse, straight up. It was insane. Good. Good. I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm the Heath Ledger version of the Joker on that one. I'm like, I let these narcissistic scumbags tear each other apart. These posturing things. No, I mean, you do, you do think about the crowd that would buy the fucking three thousand dollar plane ticket to get there. I mean, it's kind of funny, man. Well, the, the Stop Coney campaign feeds into something as well that I think is is worth bringing up, which is like we sort of talk about this facile, millennial, virtue signaling, taking a very complicated subject and then reducing it to something simple, um, like spiritual uh, spiritual materialism, spiritual capitalism, as, as Zizek would call it. That's actually old. I mean, that's uh, that's eight years old, but it's still now. But we have this tendency to go, oh, it's it's now. It's like it's only been here since however long, four or five years. No, actually, we were facing these problems in 2009, 2010. Even though we're talking about things as accelerating in technology, I'm not not 100% convinced. I think we're being oversold on technological acceleration because it it really isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just now it's 
so accessible to the point where the the neighbor your neighbors are already a part of the situation where even the internet 10 years ago it was still there and it was still uh integrated to a certain degree but now it's just like if you are not even partly associated with the internet you are literally living in a different world your reality in every way possible is so different from the general populace yes definitely definitely so yeah the uh the weight of it has grown, the gravity of it has grown, and it's now more uh, ubiquitous, which is, I, I oh, very rarely get a chance to use that uh, adjective. I had this idea that I've mentioned a few times to my, mm. my lovely friends that, you know, I have fun with. And I was saying that, <laughs> so what's interesting, so oftentimes I'll hang out with people that are generally more introverted and they have nothing to do with the influencer world or even just barely, because it's just, it's oftentimes hard to find a so-called influencer that it doesn't have their head in the clouds in that in that sense mm -hmm. i'm saying that i don't but they they'll aquarius. mention aquarius so this is the thing like they'll they'll mention like they don't really feel like posting on the internet they don't really sh want to share that much and but they say it with like a hint of shame and mm -hmm. kind of like um yeah shame for their insecurity to do that and i was mm -hmm. like Hold on, you're actually way more normal and way more well adjusted than I am. It mm. takes a bit of being unhinged to a certain degree to constantly want to put out yourself, your personal life, your appearance, and all of these things daily, especially as a job or whatever the fuck else. And I was like, okay, so here's the thing though you're saying that as if you're insecure on doing something like posting yourself online, but this wasn't the norm until five years ago yeah it was so it, you know you didn't even post your name on a forum you didn't post your name you didn't even upload your real picture you yeah. didn't even really want to share your actual opinions online at all yeah. so i th i was saying to them like hey it's probably you're probably way more well adjusted to the fact that you feel like uncomfortable with with posting stuff online you sharing. should be ashamed of posting stuff narcissistically and superficially every day that's where you should feel ashamed you shouldn't feel ashamed right. for not doing it exactly. that's crazy <laughs> we've shifted the whole uh, mainstream dialogue where it's mm. the norm to yeah. unshamefully post yourself narcissistically yes. to the yeah. point where the average person who doesn't feel comfortable with that feels a sense of shame for being a regular person. <laughs> well, that, that's that's why I, I, I've tried explaining it to people and I've never really found a good way of verbalizing it. That when people ask me, ah, is, is the culture becoming more narcissistic? And I'm like, not in the sense of more NPD personalities being produced, but when we look at like personality disorders, we have clusters of personality traits and we have different clusters of our personality traits. They're being dialed up and dialed down. Like resilience, dialed down. Narcissism and self-indulgence, dialed up across millions of people that's a problem that that doesn't mean oh now we have a million more npd people in the community it means that we have several million people just interacting and behaving in a more self-indulgent less resilient less disciplined way and more reaction seeking so 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 then i sort of feel like i'm mealy mouthing that isn't the culture becoming more narcissistic and i'm like yes but I've never really found a good way of describing yeah, it. In a way, so basically what you're saying is people are amplifying narcissistic behaviors 
right. not necessarily becoming narcissistic. Yes, that's right. The types of behaviors that that are associated with that that that's yes. amplified. Yes, yeah, and and psych and more frighteningly psychopathic behavior. Yeah. So, the more violent, criminally inclined, this totally dismissive of other people's uh, feelings and being totally goal orientated in a very rigid way. That's that's a little more worrying. Like narcissism is one thing. Narcissistic psycho psychopathy is, is, is an, is another thing, but it's like, you know, the, 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 the technology is great. The, the connectivity is great. The access to information is great. It's just where, where are we as the end users up to when we come to this powerful magic? We're not initiates. We weren't taken through some 40-day fasting process where we had to meditate six hours a day and clean the temple stairs to see which of us had the moral fortitude to do it or not. It's any slob whose thumbs work can just go, I'll just turn this on. It's a magic that's that's too powerful. And the the slob with weak ego boundaries in the face of that magic, it starts warping and changing. And it, it changes them more than they change it because they don't have the strength to control it. Right, and and the, in addition to that, it's like, how do you uh, reject the idea of integrating social media in your daily life if you're, all of your friends are posting themselves and they get rewarded for that, they, they get the attention. They're the ones like getting flip partners left and right, and, maybe, and if they're big enough, they'll get sponsorships left and right, you know? And the, there are so many external elements that make it look more beneficial than negative, where yeah. it's like the person that isn't a part of it at all they feel like they just have like a boring ass life with nothing that's slightly even interesting in certain ways. Sort of, if you put the two side by side. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're 100 percent right, and I, I think like it's it's that slow march towards something. So I have friends who are my age; they're they're uh, both uh, 40 or 41, and there's two of them, and I need to be in communication with them. Uh, it's about it's about gym stuff. It's about training. One guy I'm seeing face to face for training. The other guy's giving me and the the third fellow tips. I've said to both of them, "Can you please use WhatsApp? I want to take a month long break. I'm off Facebook and I was off Instagram. They won't stop messaging me on on Instagram. They only want to talk to me on Instagram. And I'm like, that's a shift. That's yeah, a shift. Right. Right. Forty year olds previously, I'm sure, like five years ago, be like, I don't fuck it. They wouldn't have even had Instagram. They would just yeah, like exactly. five years ago that was something right. for very young people to share photos, nothing else. Yeah. Now that's where they run their businesses from because they're both personal trainers. They've got to share videos of themselves doing techniques, they've got to get the followers because yeah. the followers equal clients. It's like yeah. fuck. Um, yeah, you can't escape idea, it now. Yeah, the idea of uh physical practi practicality uh, on in addition to that is like you can just send a photo there you can send voice instructions then you can live stream at that moment so at that point like you might as well get an instagram not only for communication while you have the profile you might as well post things but well you're you're 100 right because the guy's like i want to i want to send you a video of how to do a particular chest movement i may as well post that and then he can literally go from his post to his DM and go, there you go, and it's done. Whereas otherwise, you've got to go a whole different process through WhatsApp, and nobody else will get to see it. So I want to go to the place where nobody else gets to see it. But of course, they're like, no, I want as many people as possible to see it. So there's this kind of frustration in the communication. Yeah. And I've just submitted. I've gone, no, they, they have a job to do. If I want to talk to them and I want to train with them, I've got to be on Instagram. The right. end. Yeah, so I'm just keeping it because they're right, effectively. Yeah, 
And it, another element of this is that I feel like I'm actually encouraging it quite a bit because say if I want to meet somebody new, right? And they don't have any photos of themselves on their profile, or even if they do, and it's just like pictures of skies and they don't, they're one picture of their face and all of this stuff that you have an obvious suspicion, like, oh, is this like, are they yeah. real? Like, what are they really about? But then yeah. it's like, I mean, back in the day, people had to meet each other with a blank slate everywhere anyways. Yes. And now it's the norm to actually know everything about a person before you meet them. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's inverted. And then you have all this thing of like, because everybody's using filters and everybody's using Photoshop, yeah. you're people's minds are already calibrated to go, oh, they look like this in their photos. So I know they're going to be 30% less physically attractive. <laughs> this is my theory. This is my hypothesis. So if you post a real picture of yourself, they'll be like, oh, this guy's actually going to be 30% less. I couldn't do it, man. I had to tap out. I was like, I'd rather just not. I just, I just can't. It, 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 to me, I feel like in my own process, I feel like I've done really well. I feel like I've, I've healed from a lot of stuff and, and whatever, but I find all of that massively, uh, it just winds me up. And I feel like I'm being forced to play some weird boundary breaking game. I just don't want to play. I'm like, no, this doesn't feel like progress to me. It feels like you're asking me to go back 10 years. Yeah, you just got swallowed into a game that you didn't even ask for, right, man. Right, <laughs> right, really, right. I can sense right. that from you. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like, so along the lines of this, um, with people that I would end up meeting and stuff, they, they're, I mean, YouTube and social media is like, I, I would say at this point, 70% of who I really am. It's such a quintessential part of how I live. And mm. even who I am as a person, I'm just integrated in. And they would always, like, like the last conversations, they would mention, like, I was thinking of maybe starting a YouTube channel because I would, uh, the, 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 but I don't really feel comfortable that I really like it. And I used to encourage, like, you should just put yourself out there and just do it, you know, like, what's stopping you and now i'm like if you don't feel comfortable with that idea just mm. don't do it it's yeah. not made for everybody but the world that we live in makes it seem like everybody should and this is the route that everybody should take even right. if it's not your personality and at this point i'm like you know what if it's not if these values don't align with you if you're not comfortable putting your face on a screen sharing your opinion that way open to ridicule and all of the other elements that come with it then just don't even do it don't do yes. it yeah 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 no i think um which i think is 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 the right thing to say and it does make me wonder it's the old question it's now an old question because it's been bandied around for so long is is it intrinsically poisonous is it intrinsically toxic and is it just a question of how resilient we are to that toxicity right i, I don't know the answer to that um uh, are cheeseburgers toxic yes okay well, then you settled that. <laughs> All right. What about, okay, a better example. What about vegetarianism, right? Or veganism? Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be good for you. And it is for certain people if you do it right. But for some bodies, it just doesn't work well. And if it yeah. does work well, you have to put extra effort in, in a point where you actually end up actually suffering more in a lot of other ways. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the... The vegetarianism issue, I, I would say like with the cheeseburgers, we know that the stuff in the cheeseburger making process that probably really isn't isn't good for you. Vegetarianism, I don't know, man. I've seen science that says it's fine. And then I've seen other science that says you definitely need to be eating meat. I actually think it's a very good parallel with the social media vegetarianism and social mm. media because on paper, it's supposed mm. to improve all elements of our lives in a right. lot of 
But, but, but who really knows exactly? Yeah, 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 yeah. How, and how, how would you know? Because I think one of the things you, if you, if you use that metaphor from nutrition, one of the things a lot of the experts in nutrition are saying now is they're actually admitting it. There's like, there's actually a hell of a lot that we don't know how nutrition works. So if I, if I give you my protocol for food that makes me feel good and that make, that works for me, it may not be good for you at all. Exactly. Not at all. Yeah. But then, uh-huh. but then when you have that be such a trendy, uh, dietary thing that's just floating everywhere and everybody the good majority of people are talking so positively of it you can't help to be like well i guess it i guess they're right it should work for me too if the it works for everyone else sort of a mm-hmm. thing and i've met so many people who are like uh three months in i couldn't even walk <laughs> my arms start falling off you know yeah. i like a steak in otherwise i went to the doctor a few times yeah you know? yeah yeah i i I strongly suspect that I wouldn't do uh, very well on it. I, I strongly, but you know, the thing is to try it, right? I, I want to try a month of this carnivore diet. And then after that, I'll try a month of the old vegetarian thing maybe and, and just see what happens. I, I tried vegetarian. It wasn't even, it would be pescatarian. I just ate cans of tuna because I was broke too. And it was, a, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I stayed away from all the other forms of meat and dairy. So in a way I was almost, almost vegan, but, uh, there, there were some benefits, benefit, uh, there were some benefits, but I was really tired all right. the fucking time and hungry every hour. But my skin started looking a lot better. Mm. And that's pretty much the, my benefit with that. We talked about this before. Um, what if the, the whole, the beneficial element of, for example, this diet and a lot of other types of, you know, things in general were just a result of applying some sort of rigid routine discipline in in your life and it wasn't even that much of the food as it was feeling good about being in a structured format i I always say that to people about intermittent fasting you know because i use intermittent fasting if i'm if i'm trying to cut a little bit and it always works for me and people like oh so you believe that you're burning more fat or that you're producing more growth hormone and i'm like well when you look at the science for that and with the scientific paper says that the amount burns or the growth hormone is significant, that doesn't mean what it means when we're talking. Like, so if I say, oh, I was making significantly more money, you'd be like, oh, the dude was making like 30 to 50% more. But in science and statistics, it just means like blip, oh, positive, significant. So I don't do it for that. I do it for the reason you just gave. It's a structure. I just use it as a structure. So I think there's definitely something to that. I think there's also something to, and one of Joe Rogan's guests said this about the carnivore diet. It's an elimination diet because you're cutting out so many different things other than meat. So if you find you're no longer depressed, no longer anxious, your skin issues clear up, any sexual performance issues, whatever it is, that's because you've eliminated something. So it's actually like an anti-allergen or anti-inflammation diet, but we're calling it the carnival, the carnival diet or the vegetarian diet. So from that point, there's there's a couple of things there that I would say, yeah, there's definitely going to be those elements to it. So it doesn't matter what exactly you're cutting out as long as you're cutting out something? The, the chances are high, I think, the longer that you stay alive, that the more you're going to develop, the higher the chances are you're going to develop an intolerance. Like you've been around me, you know I can't touch wheat now, where three years ago that didn't mean anything. Um, you know, this is so far-fetched right now, but I'm, I'm really reaching for this idea. Okay, so what if 
the fact that applying some sort of discipline by excluding something that you usually do, whether that be sex, food, uh, drugs, uh, for if you want to go that extreme, um, certain behaviors or, or whatever else. When, Because when you reject, for example, meat and you say, I can't eat it, it gives you a sort like a serotonin boost because it makes you feel like, oh, I did it. Discipline. Mm, like, I did it. I did it. You know, and then that, that comes throughout the whole day. And then over the span of a week or so, you're getting these serotonin boosts from uh, exclusion, which in the end can maybe help your immune system and all, a lot of other bodily functions and stuff like that. And then maybe from there, you become happier, better, and feel more rounded off because of the the dopamine you're getting from from excluding stuff. Yeah, there's almost. I mean, what you're what you're talking about would be you could almost call it like a narcissistic supply, but it's solipsistic. You're telling yourself, "I'm amazing, I'm amazing," and you reinforce that. I think when they talk about nutrition and they're talking about there's a word for it that means that the client is actually sustaining the discipline. Uh, when it comes to things like accountability, sticking to the diet, that narcissistic, solipsistically sought narcissistic supply is really important. You've got to feel like you're doing something good. You've got to be giving yourself a big green tick every day and going, I did well. Because if you put a cross there and you're like, oh, I did shit, then if your predisposition is towards using food to manage your state, you'd be like, I did shit today. I may as well eat pizza today because fuck me and fuck today. Whereas what you're talking about is the, is the opposite, which you do need, which is like, I'm on a discipline, I'm doing this, I feel good, I'm looking better. You're on this high, you're on like a buzz. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the people that are in these restrictive lifestyles, they always talk about it all the time. It's very, yeah. it's very hard to find somebody that does not pour out whatever restrictive situation that they're putting themselves in because because here's the thing if you're not getting the fulfillment or let's say the dopamine hits from just straight up low vibration activities if you're flipping all day and doing eating like junk food and stuff it's like you gotta we're i think i'm almost convinced we do need reward system as humans it's really hard to break out of that and if you want to restrict yourself you still need to fulfill that in one way well, we, we, we talked about on Spartan Life Coach on one of the interviews, piety and this idea of being pious, like you're following a discipline, you're following a religious discipline, and that makes you pious. People have a need for that. They do have a need to feel pure, to feel like they're moving in a certain direction. This 30-day challenge that I'm running at the moment to help people overcome CPTSD and codependency, that's a lot about what's your direction? What are your core values? And are you moving in that direction? based on the hypothesis that if people know what their values are and they know what direction they're moving in, then the discipline is secondary and becomes totally easy. They're like, oh, I'm looking at this value I have, the direction moving in, the discipline of whatever it is I'm doing every day. That's that's just part of me moving towards this, this higher goal. But yeah, I think we do need piety. Speaking of discipline, I think we need a moderator in the chat room. <laughs> Oh, okay. Have we got have we got craziness. Yuji Rose is here. Can we make her a moderator? Yeah, measure twice, and Yuji would be good. So, but, I'll, I'll, yeah. Let me uh, let me get this link. View on YouTube. I think in YouTube we can make people we can make people moderators. Do we have foolishness going on in our chat? I don't even know. I think some. 
an individual looks like he's talking to himself or something. But other than oh, there's a there's a guy pretending to be H.G. Tudor, um, and it isn't H.G. Tudor is a, a like a, an expert on narcissism who talks on YouTube. Okay, interesting. And uh, so I'm going to make U.G. Like Rose. Oh, I can't U.G. Rose. I can't make you a moderator. Pierre, okay. do you have that power? Okay, um, can you go on a monologue while I do this then? Yes. You know what I think is really beautiful? What I think is beautiful is when you let your chakras align with that which is, stop laughing, in the cosmos. It's beautiful. Just express your intent into reality, and reality will give you a big fucking yacht. Because that's what reality is for. The law of attraction is really the law of Amazon. Whatever you want will be brought to your fucking house. You know what's annoying about the law of attraction? It's oh, uh, everything, <laughs> everything, but also the fact that it's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm very, very skeptical with it. But there are times where I'm like, when I'm not reaching my bitter phase, and I like accept all the other shit. Hold on. Had to like log out and come back. Anyways, so then and then when I'm actually in a better place and whatever else, and I and I live, this the external world starts shifting towards my attitude at the moment, and I think right. that's super annoying because I don't want to believe that because it's just well, that, like. But that's that's not law of attraction. That would be more like uh, when I did that video, I said I was somewhere in between, and then in a weirder space, there is the American New Thought movement, which would yeah. account for that. What the law of attraction people do, and what books and films like The Secret capitalized on was yeah. the most simplistic, stupid interpretation of that. And they literally said in their marketing material, you can have whatever you want yeah, just true. by thinking about it. The, the American New Thought movement wasn't that. It was never that. It was, it was always about work. It was always about aligning your work with your faith. And then over time, if you... If your thoughts, words, and deeds aligned with the intent, then you were increasing the likelihood of that thing coming into your life. And it was beyond uh, Western mechanistic, like, oh, your subconscious is just aligned to it, so you're, you're hypnotizing yourself into doing it. It was way beyond that. But it wasn't – the law of attraction is stupid. Yeah, stupid. I guess – yeah, I guess that that's the message that the law of attraction specifically was promoting yeah. was like, don't do shit, but just think about it a lot. Well, and also attraction implies that you are a thing and that you're bringing things to you. That's what attraction is. It's a it's a steel filings and a magnet, a thing with a thing. So it's intrinsically material. It's materialistic and right. it's rooted in the material world. The new thought movement was was based on magical practices like uh, Kabbalah. And their Rosicrucianism, and you know some of the kinds of things that, that Mr. Crowley would talk about. The whole law of attraction thing—it's always spoken in, for example, like in monetary wise or relationship wise. I'm going to attract a lover, or I'm going to attract money, or like. This. And if you attract a lover, you're attracting them as an experience for you to consume. It's it's consumerism, oh, it's consumer yeah. consumerism and capitalism. So if if I was going to teach a magical system, you do your forty days of initiation. And I'd take on 100 people and I'd keep four because 96 people would just be too egotistical to be able. It's not that they wouldn't be able to manifest things. They would. But what they would manifest would be fucked up and would, would it would generate a lot of very dark karma because you you've got to clean. That's what an initiate is. That's what a disciple is. You've got to clean them up. 
I need to be cleaned up before I can start doing this work because who knows what. It's not that you can't manifest things. You absolutely can. But if the vessel is dirty and if then you the drink from it. Intention from the very beginning is coming right. from a bad place. That's whatever it. that you're going to want to manifest is going to not only fuck you up, but whatever you want to come into your life. Which, which means even if there's just a little bit of grit in the vessel, it's going to hurt you because it's like a golf drive. The tiny little change that you make up here becomes a huge change further down the fairway. And the fairway might be 10 years. And people will be going, well, so what? 10 years is a huge amount of time. No, it isn't. You'll be there before you know it. And when it's 20 years and 30 years and you had this silly idea, but now you're living with the consequences of your silly idea 30 years later, it becomes hell on earth. It would be real awful stuff. Wonderful. Mm. <laughs> Your wishes are lies. <laughs> so you've got, you've got to really clean people up to the point where they've transcended that. Otherwise, it's screwy. And it's not that you're calling things to you. It's that you're becoming the essence of the experience. I know that, that sounds really, really woo. But unless you become the essence of the experience, you'll never experience it. Because there's no things. There's only experience. And experience is only now. Whereas law of attraction builds space and time into its model, which is why it's fucked up. It's like over time, then the thing comes to me. And I'm like, no, that's not how reality works. That's not what space squids do, man. Yeah, you want to be a space squid, then you just experience. If we, if, so if we bring what you're saying into a more earthly realm, say, for example, a person wishes, um, I want to feel great in my body and have a great time and not worry about things. And I want to be feel physically amazing and also mentally. If you are, if you're coming at that in an unhealthy place and you're not aware of things, you can be given metaphorical heroin, which will cure all of those desires that you just wished for. But if you don't know where to place it, you'll get consumed by the heroin, which means you'll die. Absolutely, you'd be consumed by the, the, the narcotic. When you said that, I was like, my, I probably have a whole raft of questions that would take an hour to get through. To be like, I don't, you see, you've encoded your desires into language. I could arrogantly assume that I know what you mean, but I'd be projecting what I mean. When you feel good in your body, I'm like, oh, me know what that means. And I'm like, actually, me fucking don't know because I'm not Pierre. So I'd have to enter your reality and be like, to granular specificity tell me what that means for you what does that experience really mean and even i definitely don't know and you don't know and then when you start breaking it down you'll be like fuck i never even that would be step one you've not even we've not even done any work towards manifesting it the step one is let's get granular about what this actually is otherwise you're going to get something next to it and I'll be like, why aren't you happy? That's the thing that you said you wanted. And you'll be like, I know that's what I said. Yeah. But actually now, ugh, now I feel weird. How many people have had that? More, yeah. more than, more than not, more often than not. Yeah. When people do successfully manifest, you can tell they feel a little bit ripped off. You can like, ugh, they always feel a bit icky because it sure. wasn't, they, there's cognitive dissonance. They got what they said they wanted, but what they said was a lie and they didn't know it was a lie. But do you think that there can be a point where it, a desire of yours can actually lead to something that is fulfilling in general. Yes. Because yeah. the, the pure Buddhist philosophy is saying that desire is the root of all suffering. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could, you could, 
you could fuck up and you could fall off the bike and you could tumble and you may die or you may get back up again and do something else. And that fuck up was poor part of you getting to where you wanted to go. Right. right. And yes. I, I think, I suspect that that's, that's inevitable, but the further down that pathway of logic you go, the less comfortable you find yourself because you'll find all desires just get scrubbed away. So that's what, it, okay. So what do you mean by that exactly? Because so if you keep following the Buddhist model yeah. and we're good Buddhists in Vietnam and there's two of us riding on, uh, on the bike dangerously. No, there's 16 of us riding on the bike dangerously yeah, yeah. and we fuck up. We hit a pothole because we're trying to get to the cafe. That's where we want to go. But on the way to the cafe where the bad things are, that's where we're going to pick up the heroin. We fall off and we tumble. We maybe get back on the bike and try again. The more often you do that, the more often either you're going to die or you're eventually going to get to the cafe or you're going to say, I don't want to fucking go on this bike anymore. I don't want to go to this cafe anymore. That's sannyas. That's the moment of saying, fuck the desire. Yeah, fuck the desire and fuck the world of desire. The Buddhists don't just say, fuck the desire or let go of the desire. All mystics, all monks, Christian, Muslim, uh, whatever, would have said, fuck the world of desire, always. It's never just the desire, it's the world of desire. So it's like, but it's this acknowledgement, there, this world is desire. Is there a desire that could be beneficial and fulfilling in general? Yeah. So as you move along that path, we keep it to the strictly Buddhist uh mentality every time you fall off and roll another part of the the scab gets knocked off you start to get knocked apart and bits of you start to fall off and you, you brush yourself up and you go i still want to go to the cafe but where before i wanted all the heroin and all the cocaine and all of the prostitutes and now i think i'll just take the heroin and then you fall off again and you go oh i don't need that much heroin i'll take a little bit and then eventually you start moving towards a place where you go do I want heroin? Well, no. What I want is the experience. What's the experience? Heroin makes me feel connected. Huh. Connected. Loved. I'm trying to feel loved. Well, how do I get love? Well, a really efficient way of getting love is giving love. So the next yeah. time I fall off the bike in Vietnam, I'm going to just look around and go, who needs love? Jesus, loads of people do. These homeless, like the animals that are strays, they need some food and water this woman right here who just lost their kids a week ago she needs some attention it's it's oh wow it's everywhere that's uh buddhism and that's the mystic experience is like oh i want to feel loved and connected what's the best way i'll give love and connection to other people oh i did it okay. so my old joke about it was if you if you hit that place which i never have i think they're the ones having a really good time if you're in meditation and you're going, this is fucking awesome. You're like in the best house party ever on the best MDMA that's ever been made with the best yeah. people having the listening to the best DJ because you're in alignment with real values. You're in alignment with real core values and you're having a wonderful time. There's nothing better than that. So that's why I said it's weird if you go down that path because your desires shift and you start to transcend desire to going, oh, I never wanted heroin. Who the fuck wants heroin? Fuck, that could kill me. What I wanted was to feel loved and connected. Interesting. Wow. Mm. Okay. And the research backs this, man. It backs it. That A lot of drug addictions are really a way of trying to overcome feelings from, from childhood trauma. 
right, right. My idea is that, okay, I, I am aware that the desire thing is deeply rooted in, let's just say, suffering. And it doesn't really come from a place that will actually uh, fulfill the, the void or, or whatever route like that. But I mean, are, isn't one of the interesting things about being a human being is chasing some sort of desire and experiencing those things until at least you're bored? You know, it's, it's, or, it's interesting until you're bored. Yeah. So ennui becomes a necessary part of the pilgrim's path. And it's only really Buddhism that I'm aware of as a, as a mythology of enlightenment of all the stories that deals a lot with ennui. There's a little bit of boredom in the Christ story uh, where he gets agitated and he gets pissed off with people. N that, not all of those stories made the mainstream Bible. Some of them are apocryphal. He even killed people. Jesus was like, get out my face, shut the fuck up. And if you don't, and he'd zap them and, and kill them. That didn't get into the mainstream Bible, but he was sick of the world. In Buddhism, we know that he was sick of the world. We know that he was sick of the palace that he was brought right. up in. He was sick of pleasure. Totally sick, nauseated with pleasure and satiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I am almost convinced that that has to be a part of the path if you want to follow the route of ridding your desires and uh, reaching a place of some sort of pseudo nirvana at least mm. where you i feel like it's almost necessary to go about that so-called hero's journey indulging yourself in the so-called lower vibrational situ situations to a point where your body and spirit almost rejects it to that level yeah. because if you because if you never actually went through any of that or even attempted to go through even just the percentage you don't have to necessarily just load up on fucking heroin and coke but like at least a certain element of it because i mean part of the human experience it's there to at least be in a part of an element of chaos for a certain degree of time so you eventually know that this is not what you want because this is the i think this is the thing that people really leave out of buddhism when they talk about it and buddha in general they told they never acknowledge the fact that he had a harem lived in a fucking palace with kings queens and fucked his brains out every day from from when he was a child right no one ever mentions that they just because it's kind of uncomfortable pierre <laughs> so it's always sitting under a tree and starving so you're right out of your abdomen yeah you know yep but what if this was just like buddha just like compensating for his own shit dude well I, this is this is a new idea what do you think of this isn't it frequently the case that like what you're talking about is is transcendence like you have to live it to reject it. Don't tell me you're rejecting. So I have, I've had people say, I reject violence. I renounce violence. I'm like, there's never been any violence. I reject the life of, a, of biker gangs. You were never in a biker gang. What the fuck are we talking about? But you don't get to reject. You don't get to renounce that which you never had. If you've had it and you renounce it, that's transcendence. Everything else is just posturing and spiritual bypassing. Isn't yeah. there an archetypal story of the Buddha or a new Buddha always being a bit of an asshole? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're the courageous ones who were crazy enough to do the bad thing. Look at uh, Doctor Strange as a, an example of modern mythology. He's a narcissistic, world-class, multi-millionaire surgeon, asshole. But he, and of all the disciples that come, he's the one. He's the one that gets picked to be the best of the best because he's the worst of the worst. He's a total dickhead. He's not a good person. He's not a vegan. He's not like... Right. <laughs> 
Okay, so I always bring up SoundCloud rap in all of our streams, but <laughs> why, why change it? Yeah, exactly. So here's a situation. It's like, okay, so many people renounce SoundCloud rap for a really good reason. Like, mm. I totally agree. Like, little pump, you know, you're just popping zannies and being idiot on mm. social media. You make mediocre music that bumps really, really hard. Mm. It's like the people that renounce this whole lifestyle and everything like that and condemn it entirely. Sure, it makes sense because it's degeneracy to a certain degree or very mm. good degree. However, if any of these people even had a slight taste of what it's like to live this lifestyle, mm. I think they'll enjoy it, man. And it would be really hard to renounce. <laughs> there's, there's a guy, uh, he's, an, he's an Irish chap called Dylan Moran. Um, and he's a stand-up comic, and he did a whole bit about this, about people who mocked. He first he mocked rappers for the stuff that that they say, and then he and then he mocked people who have a go at rappers uh, for taking prostitutes up to their hotel room and then offering them cocaine. And his whole thing was like, you take a bunch of prostitutes to your hotel room, what are you going to offer them? You can't offer them yogurt. You've got to offer them cocaine. That's the only thing you can. And he says, of course you're all denouncing it and hating it. You've never had the opportunity to do it. that is exactly the situation yeah so you're telling me if you just had the opportunity to have a million dollars in cash that day yeah and let's just say your rapper friend your manager orders the prostitutes for you yeah you might want to indulge in and Mm. also here's some cocaine and heroin Mm. let's see if you'll enjoy that or not yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see all these same people go. Oh no, not not for me. I have. I'm beyond this. Have, the rule is they have to go at least one step into it. Take one okay. bump of it and like get on the prostitute. You can continue to announce when you're not like when you just see it. It's like no, but you have to even just take the first step, and then you have to say no. I love your rules. One bump, <laughs> you get on the prostitute. We'll let you get off, but it's one bump. You get on one prostitute, or we're not playing. These are PS rules, or get out. <laughs> and let's see how enlightened you are, dude. Yeah. You know what? If I were to make uh, my version of the Saw films, if yeah. there were no torture. It's yeah. it would be challenging people and their inner hedonistic drives. That's what nice. I mean. uh, that's, that would, I would watch that. I that I would watch to see the hypocrisy just come out. People like head in the bucket of coke. So in the faces off. Yeah, I changed my mind. This is wonderful. Because <laughs> the, the Saw movies take bad people. They put them right. through physical torture to become good people. But let's yeah. take so-called virtue signaling good people yes. and giving them not pain, but yes. pure pleasure. And let's yes. see how much they can keep it together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think um, I, that's that's deep, man. That's That would be like an evil evil Buddhist mastermind. It's like, I, I'm only doing this to crack open the shell of your ego so that you can become enlightened. Evil? So is a situation like that, would that be considered dark or evil? Um, to, to me, that's that's more like, to me, that's straight from the Zen school of Buddhism where it hurts, but it hurts so that you can see. And, you know, when people talk Buddhism and they talk compassion, they think it's soft. And I would always give the examples from the Zen school. It's like true compassion might be a punch in the face. Mm-hmm. True compassion might be the Zen master cuts your finger off. That's what would happen in the Japanese Zen tradition. If you're posing, if you're posturing, they'll bring you down to earth with you know a thunderclap sometimes. It could be a hug. 
It could be a kind word. That could be the thing to do. But are we trying to make people feel good about themselves or is enlightenment the goal? Because they're two disparate objectives with two different pathways uh, to them. So no, it's not evil. It's just a hard, it's a hard school, but I like it. I think that's great. Because it's like, it, it's not overt and it's not, would that even be considered torture? No, right? If you kidnap people and force them to do it, the police would be very angry with you. <laughs> Without the kidnapping elements, if you were to just present situations like this to somebody, yeah. is that torture? Is that evil? What What is that? Because and you give the will too, like you can and you, can, you don't have to, but you could. That I don't know about in the UK, but in America, there are laws that you that are protect you from it. And I'm sure UK would follow suit. It would be called, uh, I think it would come under entrapment laws. So yes, the person, huh? Cops will do that. They'll right, so if cops, if cops, if they fall foul of an entrapment law, the whole case goes out the window. They have to be very, very careful. Like if they're trying to do a drugs bust or get people to bribe them or something, they've got to be really careful. So there are laws that protect you from your own weak, pleasure-loving nature. Yeah, because there was like an underground, uh, undercover cop in high school, the story, and she convinced them like scrawny nerd boy to like get her drugs because I mean the boy just wanted her approval and then like arrested yeah. his ass. Like that's right. so that's evil as fuck that's, that's evil did the case stick or was it thrown out i think it's stuck man i think it is but it's america yeah. so I'm assuming it, 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 it did it's it's different it's very different state by state and i i wouldn't i wouldn't pretend uh, to understand that because american law is like it's it's a whole it's a whole other thing but yeah there are there are entrapment laws that protect you but it would be an interesting experiment you know and also the remit of the experiment is would would not just be offering people pleasure, but the difference between what people say they are doing publicly and what yeah. a person will do if they believe nobody's ever going to find out. Nobody's ever going to know. We set up a situation where they've convinced themselves that nobody's ever going to find out. So I'll talk to my, my friends out here, right? And they are generally just way more so-called normal, especially normal looking than I am, right? But they're telling me the parties that they have and the places that they've end up in. I'm talking about like swinger parties, like orgies, and people like mm -hmm. just throwing powder all over the place, a secret club down the street. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then they're like, yeah, we have like a lot of businessmen and like nurses mm -hmm. and, and like lawyers and so-called well-to-do people that you would see at 7 a.m. in the morning walking mm -hmm. down the street, right? Yeah. And, these are the people that go generally to these places not so much people like me perhaps too but like for me i i look at that as debauchery man i i yeah. that does not entice me in that way at all but it's why why does that not entice you i don't know man i i it it makes me feel weird for it makes it makes me feel really really weird it makes me feel really really weird but i consider myself a fairly liberal and liberated person but yes. when people start talking about that i feel uncomfortable and pressured and that's not my idea of a good time i'm just yeah. like it's too zizek would probably be able to explain this way better than me there's something too now 
I, this is what I always said about snorting coke, and I've told you this before. When I used to snort coke, I enjoyed secretly going into a bathroom when I was a nightclub bouncer and put my foot against the door in like a Bikram pose with the bag and my foot on the door in a perfect balance, listening to see if other dorm would come. That's when I enjoyed it. When I elevated in my life to being able to just snort it around the table, I was like, I am not as high. I'm definitely not getting as high as when this was some dirty little secret. Now that it's all out there, yeah. like, fuck it. Yeah. It's, 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 losing, it's lost its edge now. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't believe you just said that on a live stream. But <laughs> so that is along the lines of my theory on the situation. I, it's not even a fucking theory. I think everyone knows this. It's the idea of repressing all of that. Yeah. I don't think I'm a very repressed person. I throw it all out there to a certain degree that everyone knows shit that they probably shouldn't about me. I don't yeah. feel like I have to hide anything. I feel like I don't have to cover so much of what I really like and what I really want. So in that element of a private life or flip life or whatever you want to call it, I don't feel the need that I need to like get out this weird insidious lustful debaucherous yeah. thing to yeah there's, there's there's something there's something always a bit childish and sort of infantile about, about all that as well i'm like it's just Ugh. you know who are these people now I'm in a room with a bunch of strangers and everybody's expecting sex and debauchery well sad it seems a bit pointless but when i started reflecting along those lines um, this is years ago because I had a girlfriend who was interested in that and I just refused to go with it. I realized my modality for enjoyment is actually quite limited. And I think everybody's is. Yeah. It's more limited than we would want to admit. Like the way in, it's not, this is the Zizek point. It's not just that culture teaches you how, uh, what to desire. It teaches you how to desire. So we all have a method of enjoying and you almost have to have that mm. entrained into you. Otherwise there's, the, there isn't the pleasure there. What do you? What is that method? Do you think? It's simple. We are all essentially perverts, or we are nothing at all. If you don't have a perv, if you, Freud said this. Freud it was the most liberal statement Freud ever made. He said that sex when he made the study that sexual perversion was so ubiquitous amongst human beings that there's no point calling it perversion, just call it human sexuality. Oh, yeah. Zizek said, when it comes to sex, I mean, this would apply to drugs or any pleasure. When it comes to sex, it's never just one man, one woman in a room. There's always the presence of a third element, a fantasy. Because if there isn't a third element, if you're not some fantasies running through your head, it loses the... Um, I, the way that he described it was use the matrix and it was part of a, a, docu a documentary about Zizek. I think it's the one that's just called Zizek exclamation mark, I think. And they show you the matrix sucking out the energy from the pods and then the energy flows through the matrix. And what he says is it's not just that the matrix needs the energy of the humans in the pods. It's that the energy in the pods needs the matrix it's a very nuanced idea that in order to experience libidinous pleasure, you have to go through a matrix of restrictions for there to be pleasure. Because if it's pure right. Right. Yeah. libidinous energy, you're just like, there's no pleasure in it. Exactly. And I think within this last year, I got to that level. I got to that right. point where right. it was just like, 
finally broke up with a girlfriend. I finally am able to live on my own. I don't need to work, no job or whatever else. And I have free time. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like gloves yeah. off, let's fucking go. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, it's just like, oh my God, like yeah. what do I even like anymore? I don't even know if I enjoy this. And now that I'm, I just, as like right when my birthday happened, I've been making videos every week, just hardcore editing, yeah. restrictive discipline in this way. Yeah. Oh, great. I feel yeah. so much better than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. The, the people, people say to me about working for myself and they're like, well, you work for yourself. You're your own boss. You've got money. You can go anywhere and do anything. Why do you keep working? And I'm like, oh yeah, just check me out in 2008 to 2010. I was up the fucking wall with my money, yeah, but having done it and seen the horror, cause it was like, I, I actually ended up uh, in Thailand having the, uh, the scene from, um, Oh, the heart of darkness apocalypse now right where uh, martin sheen goes mad but he's literally he's really having a nervous breakdown because he's an alcoholic and they filmed it so when you see him punching the the mirror that's him really having a nervous breakdown I'd, i've lived that and i'm like it was a frightening enough te terror it was terrifying enough to see like my mind this is when you had all the money and the resources and all that that's it i had all the money all the resources could do whatever i wanted wasn't working to a structure and i just disappeared i just like it's it's not even it wasn't even destruction it was like the the the, the structure that i had as a personality just went <laughs> and just became gloop and it was really frightening because i ceased to be with no structure you just see because we're not evolved to live wow. a life of individual hedonistic pleasure it's not yeah. it really is it's not like i'm trying to make the point of some ancient greek philosopher pursue your virtues don't indulge yeah. no all i'm saying is you'll die and even if you physically stay alive your ego is your personality is fucked you you will you will rot and it's not pleasant it's not like oh this is a joyous act of self-destruction it's terrifying it's terrifying it's miserable and what i found out when I was in um, Thailand and in Malaysia, is a ton of guys made money and went there. Nobody talks about this, and they kill themselves. It's really? very, very common. Very, very common. Hell, yeah, for guys to go there, Americans and, and Brits, Germans, whatever, got money, made it in the West, and they go there, they go to Bali, they go to Thailand, they go to Malaysia, they party, 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 six months in, and they just jump, off, jump out of a hotel room. Ooh, very common. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I, you're, you're totally right. Because if you're a human being, isn't evolved to do that. Because if you, we're built to be in a community, and if you don't hold up your responsibility, you will die. And we're yeah. programmed to to have a role, a clear, yeah. concise role there. That if you leave that community, the whole community suffers, and so will you. Yes. But yeah. now we can be so separated from all of that that our body and head doesn't even know what to do with itself. No, and it's it's um, it creates huge depression, huge anxiety because the story you're living is I made it. This is the best thing imaginable, and it's hell. Mm -hmm. I fought to make this money and to get here, and now I'm in hell. This is awful. This is horrendous, and you just think, well, suicide's the only way out. And I think that this is actually a situation where desire comes in handy to have a chase for something, but I mean, not necessarily pleasure but at least like a, a goal in one way or another i mean that is a, 
type of desire too. And mm -hmm. having that even now in my life, it's just allowed me to structure myself because there's a reason for that still. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that's where, that's where the, the, the place that I got to when I was over there, thankfully I was, I did actually get some help. You know, I got, I met like the Sufi master um, who helped me, um, even though I'm not Muslim. I, had, I told him I've got no intention of, of converting. He said, I'll still help you. You're a good person. I'm going to help you. Um, but it, it became very much about what are you going to give? What are you going to give? If you want out of where you're at, you've got to start asking, what are you going to give people? And the more I gave people, the better, it, the better it felt. The more sane I became, the more I lived inside of a discipline and was giving to people and contributing. That's how I climbed my way back out again. So now, because that was so frightening, unconsciously I'd just be like, okay, what's the next project? What's the next thing? How do I help? How do I offer assistance? Because there isn't, any, there isn't anything else, man. There really isn't anything else. It's nice to fly in a better uh, class of um, on planes. That's that's pretty much it. Right. Not worrying about food and rent is good, but other than that, there isn't. Really, so. yeah. I, I almost feel like I was thinking about this earlier. Just like I almost feel like things will reward you, or the reality will reward you if you are at least a part of. In, in a communication format with with either others in one way or another and you have to give enough so you're a quintessential part of something yes yeah in the in the tony robbins model he would have said you know what we're talking about is contribution is one yeah, key right. human need and another one is significance so you need to be the guy in the tribe so you'd be like okay i'm happy to be the shaman i'm happy to be the weird I'm going to lose out. There are things I don't get to enjoy, but there's certain freedoms I'll get to enjoy and at least I have a fucking function. I can be that weirdo on the outside who's, who's kind of cracked open, a bit cracked. But then if you need me, you're in pain and you need access to something that's outside of the social construct, you can come through me and I can, I can get that for you. Dude, I love this shaman thing. I wanted to bring bring this up to you. Um, so the the idea and the role of the shaman in general has been fairly. I don't know. I don't even necessarily know if it was universal, but at least way back in the day, it was more a lot more common to have uh, a role that plays the shaman. And in the materialistic, scientific first world, it's so obliterated that idea of having some sort of shaman. What are the effects of that? And do we do we need that still in one way or another? It's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that we made such an effort during the the, uh, the witch trials. Um, the witch trials in medieval Europe, I think, was an effort um, to weed out all the shamans, all of the all of the the witch doctors, all of the the wise women, the wise men, the the maguses, and to kill them and to do it violently so that everybody else got the message: if you fuck with us, we're going to torture you to death. It's going to be bad. Um, in uh, Russia. And in Asia, it's communism. It's communism. They did the same thing. And to this day, we discussed this before. There's this fight between the Falun Gong, who are just, it's not some ancient tribe of China. It's from the fucking 1990s. They piece together bits of Qigong. And if the Chinese government catch them, they torture them to death. You only severely punish that which you massively fear. Why do they fear the Falun Gong? They fear the Falun Gong because they have a genuine connection to that which transcends the material world. So you have to have a real fear of 
names of like the Cathars, the Bogomils, um, all of the Christian mystics. Where does that fear come from? Because they, they won't be able to control as much as they can in terms of materialistically and stuff? If yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's control. That's, that's why we've had to kill. Uh, I, I, I need to go soon and this is going to get deep. We had to kill Christ twice if you look at the Christian point of view. So okay. he's killed on the cross to fulfill a prophecy. And then his mythology was killed again two, three hundred years later and is killed again and again and every day because you can't have Christ the rebel who provides a, an authentic portal to, let's use the sci-fi terminology, another dimension, which is what he's offering. Like yeah, it's yeah. said in the scripture, I'm the light and the way. If you come through me, you'll get to the kingdom of heaven or the house of my father. This is like poorly translated language to say another dimension if you have access to that dimension, you don't fucking need Netflix. You don't need social media. You don't, if you're accessing that dimension, you don't really need anything. According to the myths, according to the stories, who knows? You don't even need food at that higher level of consciousness. Your body just ceases to need that as a form of sustenance. So you've got to stop that if you want to be in control. So is there a role nowadays that would fulfill that void, for example, I would maybe say like a musician or something is the closest thing that I can think of, but still it's, it's even, but I mean, with the type of music, it doesn't do that role at all. And is there a role for that? And could there be, and would it help? It's dangerous. We tend to kill people who try and fulfill that role. Like if you're a politician, a musician, stand up comic, yeah. filmmaker, book writer, whatever you want, um, they tend to get killed. And that was the end of that panel. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to segue this into something a little more optimistic, man. Yeah, the, the, I think uh, there's definitely a role. There's a huge thirst for it. There's a huge thirst for it. The problem is now the thirst is built so high that if you were like, oh, I can help you access that, you'd get swamped. You'd get, they wouldn't even need to take you out. You would just be swamped. Or, or we just uh, Californianize the idea and just make it like paid Reiki crystal healers and then just buy my amethyst and then you'll have access to another dimension that will tell you to buy more of my product. <laughs> if there is a secret cabal that wants to keep people locked into the material world, they must be delighted at the Californianization of spirituality because it's oh, the perfect lock. Those underworld powers were like, hmm, how do we skew people and mislead them? Oh, we'll just disguise it with these guys. Based on my study of other CIA psyops, I would say that there's a very strong argument that the new age movement after the hippies, the hippies, that was a problem because people were living it. They were going off grid that we had to get rid of the hippies. So we went rather than defy your call it religion or ideology, let's change it. So now the hippies, where are the hippies now? Well, they're all good tax paying people living in nice houses, big houses. Mm. They're still doing Reiki. They're doing their yoga. They're, they're, but that's where the hippies are. I've, you know, I met. Well, you'll you probably know some hippies in their sixties and seventies. Now they got into the insurance gig and they're multimillionaires. Great. So you hook them back in. But when the when the hippies was a movement, they were they were frightened. The American government was genuinely frightened. Communism was on the rise, and you know there was going to be the death of capitalism. And people were like, hey, peace and love. Let's just take LSD and have sex with each other. Okay, it was a bad idea. I'm not for that, but it was 
a movement towards tuning in and dropping out. That's why Timothy Leary had to go to prison uh, for so long. They had to send him away because he was saying, turn on to what? The other dimension. Tune in to what? The other dimension. Turn on, tune in, drop out. Drop out of what? Drop out the game. Don't pay taxes. Don't watch TV. Don't listen to the radio. Don't vote. Don't buy shit food. No, he's, he's either got to die, we've got to put a bullet in his head, we've got to put him in prison for his whole life, which is what they did with Timothy. So do you, do you think it was intentional that they were just like, hey, wait, so how did they even, con how, did they, how the fuck do you convert hippies to become accountants and shit? How did that happen? What a beautiful question, Pierre. What a beautiful, and it's actually not my area of expertise. I know that they did it, um, but I don't know how. Because re remember, um, they were shooting hippies to death. The National Guard was killing hippies. They would just shoot them. Uh, not all the time, but there was incidents where they just, they, just, they just shot them. They were scared. They were shitting themselves. The civil rights movement uh, was, was on the rise. They were really panicking. They were really, really panicking. So that's a beautiful question. How did they sell the hippies on the idea of, of materialism? They did. They did a great yeah. job. I mean, on a somewhat lighter note, like one of the girls I dated had dreadlocks, right? And she was in this weird conundrum where she loved the hippie lifestyle and her parents were fully in it. They like toured and followed the Grateful Dead and did all the hippie things. And then she was trying to like adopt this identity that they had. And she would only listen to like Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix and whatever else. But her dad was a politician who laid on the couch with his beer belly and spent four hours a day watching Fox 11 News non-stop and i'm like this same dude was had long hair and followed the grateful dead around for years and years and yeah. for some reason he's watching fox news for hours and hours daily they've, they've played they've played a, a great game I, and i don't i don't know how they did it but i applaud them because you've turned up to down and left to right you're now truly the devil's cohorts. So well done, CIA. Well fucking done. I'm saying CIA. I'm being facetious. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's not the sense. It's it's whoever you know. But we do have like that. We know that that, that these kinds of things are uh, are deliberate um, and are deliberately done to control the population. So yeah, there is a, there is definitely as a space. There's a thirst. There's a need for shamans. There's a need for people who can bring you back to the mystic experience. But it's a dangerous game to be playing right now very dangerous i have to go as well but with that being said i want to take the shaman role but most likely i'm gonna become a news anchor for the alt-right and possibly get some investments and uh let's say the the the, the prison what, what's it called the industrial prison complex type of thing yeah fingers in there and i'm yeah. gonna shave my head and then wear a tie in the next few years you don't need to shave the head. You just do the Richard Spencer and you just oh, yeah. shave the sides. Right. And they'll be like, oh, my God, it's a fucking Nazi and all. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a great place to be. Should we, um, should we bow out? We should bow out, my friend. Well, it was good speaking to you. Always a pleasure chatting to you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and for your attention. And we will speak to you again, same time, same place, next week. Bye. Peace and chicken grease. Cheerio.